Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Glad you're here this morning. And what a day it has been already. Um, good to have our friends with us this morning, all the way from Pegasus. Yeah, so good to see you. Can we just welcome, come on, welcome our family, <laughs> the Usendoffs. There's that laugh. How are you doing? Good. Um, so today we're starting a new series. Today we're starting a new series and it's called Glory. It's called glory. And so what we've, what we've done is we've just thought through what this would look like because this series will take us right through to Christmas. And so today, I just wanted to kind of kick it off, um, to kick it off just to give us an understanding of the glory of God. Do you know, um, at X Conference this year, Pastor Steve Graham brought an amazing word about the magnificence and the glory of God in the church. And how back in the day, you know, particularly let's talk about the Presbyterians or the, the Anglicans who just came, came into town, built their churches in the corners of society. And everybody knew that the church had arrived because of the, the, the magnificent buildings that were being built. And to this day, the buildings are still there. Here's the question. Where are the people at? Where have the people gone? Where have the people of God gone? Because a building is not it, right? It's the presence of God inside of us that makes the difference. Don't you love those storytellers that, that always start with, oh man, the good old days? Do you remember the good old days? Do you know, I'm one of those dads now. I'm always like reminiscing. Some of you young people won't kind of, you may be talking about like primary school, the good old days or, you know, but I, I, I'm, I'm of an age now that I can go back a little bit and talk about those days where, where at prayer meeting as a seven-year-old, I would watch my mum and dad lead prayer meeting and people would be slain in the spirit and people would just be like transformed and people would be delivered. This is at prayer meeting. And can you imagine, I'll be sitting there as a seven-year-old looking at all of this going on, right? And I'd live for every prayer meeting for some form of encounter with God. That what if at prayer meeting people could get saved People could get healed. People get delivered at prayer meeting. Those were the good old days. Remember the good old days when you had time and you didn't have all these devices to kind of keep you company? Remember those times when you'd send snail mail? You know, when my parents lived in Malaysia, Michelle talked about it last, last time when she preached about sending mail to Hong Kong to her mom and dad. It would take three weeks or something. 
I would do the same. Uh, I, would, I would type out my, my letter to my mum because I didn't really sort of, one, trust my Fijian spelling. And um, so I used, to, I used to do it in Fijian. And so put it in an envelope, seal it up, put a couple of air mail stamps on it, send it fast post, right? Well, maybe a week, and a, a week or so later, my mum would get it. She would read my letter. And then I'd be expecting this letter to come, you know, a response to come back. And um, this is what mum used to do. Whenever she'd send me back a letter, this is real old school, she'd put in some, like, some money, notes, but she'd wrap it up in foil. <laughs> right? You wrap it up in foil so no one could... Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good tip for everyone. If you're sending... Don't send money. Um, that's, that's what we used to do. And so my friends, and you could tell how much money that was in there by the weight of this envelope. And so I would just be excited. As soon as I get it, I'll be like. But I think mom doubled up on the foil rather than actual notes in there. But remember those days when you had time. Remember those days growing up in Sunday school. I remember when I lived in Nandi with my parents, they planted a church there. And we had about 200 kids from the community at Kids Church. Um, and this was on a Wednesday afternoon. So after school, we'd have to rush home. And because we had Sunday, Sunday school uh, during the week. And all these kids would come. And I used to think to myself, oh God, I would just love it. That if you're calling him into ministry, that this would be a mark of life. That kids would gather and kids would come and learn about you. Those were the good old days. Imagine community where neighbors would go across and knock on the door and say, Hey, mom used to send us. Hey, we've run out of sugar. Can you go next door and just ask for a cup of sugar? We'll get it when we do groceries. And you'd have to go next door. Auntie! Mom wants some sugar. So you had to clarify that mom wanted the sugar, not me. So we'd get sugar. And you remember those days where you could just say hi? Remember those days when it seemed like everyone was friendly? Isn't it interesting that sometimes we can hang our hats on the good old glory days and forget what God is doing now? You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a bit of scripture that will open up that I, I, I just feel in this season. I, I just, I need us to capture it. I need us to get it. Because all of us in this room have come from all walks of life. And we've experienced something great, something not so great. Whatever your experiences are, we've found ourselves in this room, right? And the thing would be, as if we were to hang our hat to say the good old days, have been, I want to say our best days are yet to come. I want to say your best days are yet to come. No matter what your age is, this is something about the glory of God that we need to take hold of. Because when we give glory to God, He allows us to shine. When we give glory to God, you stand out. So you want to know how attractive you are? Give glory to God. 
because you're shining in God's glory, people will find that attractive. Family. Remember those days when we had 12 kids in a family? Remember those days when you'd have a van for your tribe? I mean, these days, I don't know how my parents had five boys. And I think, how did, I can't even, I got two. And I'm doing my best to make that work. But, like, big ups to all of you parents who have more than two kids. Like, it's, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. How do you do it? But I really believe that as a, as a family of Christ, we have this opportunity to model. So back in the day when the churches used to sit on the corner of your communities, I believe it's now you. It's now you, the church of Jesus Christ, to shine in magnificence so that people would see it and be drawn to it. So no longer is it about a building. Isn't it interesting that our All Out Sunday is going to be in a gym? I just think that's, you know, timely. Because we're breaking out of sitting in pews and facing one way, talking, one guy talking to you, and you getting your whatever you can from it. Right? So All Out Sunday is going to be an opportunity for this community and your friends and my friends to come along and be a part of something that reveals the glory of God. Have you got your Bibles with you? Turn with me to Haggai chapter 2. <laughs> when was the last time we read Haggai? Um, and team, have we got the message version on the screen? I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase because it's really cool. And I think it will just really help us um, get it in our today's language. Can we have like a maybe a softer screen behind it so I can, maybe just a black. Okay, red's good. Okay, here we go. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of God came through the prophet Haggai. Tell Governor Jerusalem, Babel, son of <laughs> Shealtiel and high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and all the people, is there anyone here who saw the temple the way it was? It used to be all glorious. And what do you see now? Not much, right? So get to work, Jerubabel. God is speaking. Get to work, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Get to work, all you people. God is speaking. Yes, get to work, for I am with you. The God of the angel armies is speaking. Put into action the word I covenanted with you when you left Egypt. I'm living and breathing among you right now. I'm living and breathing among you right now. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm living and breathing among you right now. Do not be timid. Don't hold back. This is what the Lord God, this is what the God of the angel army said. Before you know it, I will shake up the sky and the earth and the ocean and fields, and I'll shake down all the godless nations. 
They'll bring bushels of wealth, and I will fill this temple with splendor. God of the angel armies, say so. I own the silver. I own the gold. Decree of God of the angel armies. It started out a glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. A place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness. Decree of God of the angel armies. <laughs> God always meets his people at the proper time. You may have spent some time searching for answers, searching for clues of what to do, but God will always meet you at, this, at, at the right time. Here's the interesting thing when it talks about the timing there. It literally is, it's kind of like in October when this was written, when Haggai declared this. And what month are we in now? When I was doing like, doing some study around this, where I'm like, oh my goodness, that's amazing because God really wants us to know this. God really wants us to launch with this message as we move towards the end of the year. That the glory of God is living and breathing amongst us. You see, when they worked on when King Solomon's building, can we put up King Solomon's temple? Look at this. This is King Solomon's temple. The inside, the yellow bit that you can see is all covered in gold. Right? So they say it's kind of worth between five to $25 million worth of gold. That's the old temple. So can you imagine when the, when the, when the Israelites are trying to build this new temple and there are people who are building, they're crying. They're weeping in sorrow because they're saying, man, where's all the gold gone? Because that temple was destroyed. Where's all the gold gone? We don't even have any of that. Where's it gone? You see, this was a discouraging time for them. It appeared that the, the, nature, the nation was, was not going to recapture the glory of God. So people were asking questions. How will we stand out? How will we meet the needs of our people? You see, God always meets us at the proper time. Not always according to our diaries, not always according to our dates. There's a time that God has set aside to answer you, and he will do it. You see, just, just when you think, oh, he's not going to answer me, he does. I think there's a point to that. God wants us to resign control. God wants us to just give over our right to control our future. God is saying, let me do it for you. Because your context, your idea of the glory days, I'm going to blow that out of the water. Just when you think you've sussed God out, just when you think you've sussed his plan for your life is, uh, out, he's going to blow it out of the water. Because his glory he shares with nobody. And it's unlike anything that we've seen before. So the, at the proper time, the word of the Lord came to Haggai. You see, when God speaks, it comes with authority. It is communicated through a human instrument. But God's desire really is to have a personal relationship with you. 
So God speaks to the politician. God speaks to the priest. But God also speaks to the people. Gone are the days where the pastor is the sole vessel to bring you the word of the Lord. I want to say, I want to declare in this house, we're growing into maturity. You have the ability to hear from God yourself. Here's the thing. When you hear from God, you have to have the ability to see what wisdom is through that. God, is this the right time? Is this for me? Who is this for? Asking the right questions. The right message always goes to the right people. Are we good at asking the right questions? Are we good at wrestling with the uneasiness of seeing, particularly having experienced the glory days and being in a season of frustration and understanding God has a plan still? God has a plan still for me. God has a plan still for my family. God has a plan still for my community. God has a plan still for Christchurch. He does. You see, often in a bunch of people, there's always the vocal ones and there's always the quiet ones. Equally important. <laughs> so what, what do we need to do with how we feel? What do we need to do with how we think? How do we express our concerns so that it's, you, you feel heard, but you feel a conviction that God has answered you, that there's peace. Because this is what God promises peace for these people. Because doubt was quite rampant in through the whole place. Because people kept comparing the old temple and what they currently see. And it's bringing discouragement. God's like, come on, people. I'm still with you. You see, Solomon's temple had like, all of these things that describe the glory of God. So there were objects inside of the temple. Now God is saying, remove all those. I am the object. I am now the object of your attention. I am now filling you in order that you are the temple of God. How gracious is our God to show deep concern for them and for their grief. And God has deep concern for you and for your grief. Hmm. You see, God promises and encourages the people through these things. Three things he encourages the people. He encourages them with his personal presence. So no longer does he bring a priest in to act on their behalf. It's his personal presence now. He encourages them with his commitment to keep all of his promises to them. And thirdly, his plan of judgment that will result in filling this insignificant house with his personal glory. How do you know you're filled with the glory of God? How do you know you're filled? Genuine question. How do you know that you are filled with the presence of God? You know, so, so splendor and magnificence 
follow those who are filled with the glory of God. In our words, in our actions, in our attitudes, the fruit of the Spirit, we are loving. I mean, if there was a time that the people need to know that we are children of God, but it's through the way that we love one another. No longer do we need big signs. No longer do we need big steeples to say, this is where we are, come find us. But that we carry the very presence of God and even that is attractive. Growing up, my dad used to take us to um, the street corners on Saturday mornings with his guitar. And we'd get up early. I mean, Saturday morning, dad, for goodness sake. (laughs) And we'd go and stand in the market corner and dad would tune up. He's like, first song, here we go. And we'd sing. And, you know, you're standing there. I think I was nine. You're standing there and you're singing and you see your friends from school. And you're just like. You know, you, I, was, I was embarrassed because I, I couldn't see what, what I was doing. Dad was so proud, strumming his guitar, preaching out, people getting saved. And because I was ashamed, I couldn't get what was happening. Come on, how many of us actually know that the gospel that we carry is worth listening to? The life that we carry is worth taking hold of. That's what the glory of God does. It makes you proud to be a child of God. Tastefully. Tastefully. Too much salt. Right? You want to season life. You want to bring flavor to life. We're not there to be a disgusting taste. And so you've got to weigh it up to what is appropriate right now. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to do? But let me say the glory of God is an attractive thing. Those that carry the glory of God become that. So here's the important thing. It's about heart relationship. It's not about the trappings of of religion or the trappings of church, the trappings of the things we put together to make us look good. It's about a heart relationship. How's your heart relationship with God? Because he's interested in that, not all the trappings. God is actually interested in your heart then all of the things you do to try and keep busy in this Christian world. I mean, it's a good thing to be part of an e-group. It's a good thing to pray. But God is actually interested in you. And that's why we do these things, is in order that we could grow in our knowledge of Him and in relationship with Him. You see, I think God's past performances is guarantee for what he will do in your future. If God's given you breakthrough two years ago, that's a guarantee that he'll bring breakthrough again in your life and your future. If God's worked in your life in the past, that's just to prove that what he's performed in your life, he will do greater. So, so don't expect him to do the same thing. Expect him to do greater. <laughs> Here's the thing about building a temple. It's like all the people were poor. And they were wondering, man, how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to build this temple when I got no money myself? This is when God says, the gold is mine, the silver is mine. God is going to use 
the resources of Egypt, of the world, to call it in to fulfill what God has promised. I believe for us as a church, can we just believe that, that to go further in, in our, you know, our mission to reach our city, we just got to say, God, this is yours. You've got the gold. You've got the silver. <laughs> it is yours. You'll call it in. You see, our part of the plan may look small, but can we just believe God sees the bigger version of it? God sees greater. God sees more than we can. I love how it says the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former house. And in this place, I will give my peace. You see, no matter what the struggle is that you're going through, God is going to gift you peace. And this morning, I want us to receive that peace because we're heading into the crazy season where pressure of paying for stuff. How many gifts am I going to? Already these, these conversations on Facebook goes, can I put my Christmas tree up? Go ahead, do whatever you want to do. I know a friend has got his Christmas tree up the whole year. That's one argument not to have. Right? Like, are we preparing for the, for the time of the year that we gather together as a family? Are you preparing for your family gathering? Are you preparing for that opportunity for, for, for just that one-on-one -on -one conversation with this odd uncle or odd aunt or nephew or niece, whatever, and, and they're going to they're gonna ask you, what's different about you? Like, are you prepared to give an account for the glory that shines out of you? We're not, certainly not saying we're better. We're certainly not saying that because it's not our glory that we're, that we're gifting. This is God's glory that, you, that, that is contained inside of you. So please get ready. Get ready for the, the opportunity for you to give an account. This is what C.S. Lewis says. I will put it up on the screen. C.S. Lewis says this. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing so that you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abdominally and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house than the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing here, putting an extra door there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. <laughs> right? So just when you think, Oh, just me and my little cottage. I'm just, just. God's saying, nah, I'm expanding you. I'm creating something that no, one, no one's going to want to miss. People would want to line up to get to be a part of that. That's what we see in this season for us is that as we build together, there will be frustrations, yes. There'll be doubt, yes. 
there'll be discouragement, yes. But imagine that we're going to be doing it with the very presence of God. With the very presence of God living and breathing inside of us. I wouldn't want to have it any other way. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this in verse 7 to 10 from the message. Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is, is all his idea and all his work. All we do is to trust enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from the start to finish. We don't play a major role. Hello? We don't play a major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. So here's a question. How is it that you express the glory of God in your life? How is it that you are going to express the glory of God in your life? How do you see God's glory in others? Not just in yourself. Because when we do that, there's an honor that comes with it. There's weight that comes with it. And when we come together, the presence of God brings us all and, and creates a sound of unity. And we all know when, when unity is in the room, something happens. And so when we come together on Sunday or when we get together in our groups, let's commit to unity. Let's commit to seeing God be present, breathing and living in our midst. Can I have the musicians up? You see, we'll get stuck if we keep thinking of the glory days. We'll get stuck if we limit what God is doing in our lives. We'll get stuck. I don't want to get stuck. And I'm sure you don't want to get stuck either. But what is it that you're going to do this week to allow God to shine His glory inside of you in order that people will see? You see, it wasn't an easy job for Haggai to declare that, that message. But he was convinced that that's what God was saying. Are you convinced that you have a message of hope for the world? Because here's the thing. If God's done it in you, He can do it in other people, right? Yeah, He can. And we, we carry hope with us. And that is Jesus. Hope has a name. It's Jesus. Hope has a name. It's Jesus. Hope has a name. And it is Jesus. Glory has a name. And it's Jesus. Glory has a name. It's Jesus. And so what if we were to live our lives for the glory of the King? Mums how you raise your kids, 
What if you were to live your life for the glory of the King and then through the lives of your children? Dads, how you manage your home, how you manage your marriage. Imagine if you were to live that for the glory of the King. Come on, single people in this room right now. What if you were to live your life for the glory of the King? Young people, what if you were to live your life for the glory of the King? What would school look like? What would your friendships look like? What would your downtime look like? And I'm preaching to you as much as I'm preaching to me. It's a challenge. But I wouldn't want to do anything outside of what God wants us to do. I don't want to do anything outside of the purpose of God for me and for you. For the glory of the King. The glory of the King of Kings to be revealed through the body of Christ that is us. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. You see, there's a song that's been written. And the song simply says, For your glory, I will do anything. For your glory, I will do anything just to see you, to behold you as my king for your glory, for your glory. Can that be our prayer? God, for your glory, I would do anything just to see you and behold you as my king for your glory, for your Come on, just why don't you just let him minister to you right now. Holy Spirit is here. God, speak for your glory. Hear the desires of our hearts right now, God. That this world would be a better place because of the way we love one another. That this world would be a better place because we knew how to steward your glory. And so we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you this morning, Father, for your encouragement. We thank you this morning, Father, for your faithfulness to your promises. And we thank you this morning, Father, for the gift of peace over your people. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.